Warning: Deep Fix contains adult content and language. So if you don't touch processed foods but eat gummy bears, this may not be for you. And now, Deep Fix. Hello, and welcome to Deep Fix, where we're getting a fix of all of our favorite obsessions. I'm your host, Jen B. This season, we're doing a deep dive into the iconic Real Housewives of New York City, seasons one through three. And this episode, we're breaking down season one, episode six, Girls' Night Out. Now, let's get our fix. Season 1's Girls' Night Out is an iconic Roni episode for several reasons, and I'm so excited we're breaking it down today. In fact, when I was re-watching the episode, I kept saying, oh my god, I can't believe that also happened this episode. It was just packed with great moments that we don't know yet, but are going to go down in Real Housewives history. I mean, first we've got the veil, the curtain being pulled back on Alex and Simon's real life with Bethany attending Francois, their son's birthday party. We get not only the cameras following Bethany and Alex around and we can see that her house is in shambles, but we also get Bethany's commentary of her being there all along the way, which is great. And of course, we have the epic breakdown of Ramona when Simon shows up for Girls' Night Out at Jill's house, where she completely freaks out on him. And then, as the pièce de résistance, we've got the creation, the beginning, the introduction to skinny girl Margarita's Bethany Frankel's baby and creation. So this episode, we see her... At a restaurant, in fact, the first restaurant that did carry Skinny Girl Margaritas. And she orders one with Luann. And it's really the world's first meeting with Skinny Girl Margaritas and Skinny Girl Cocktails. And just to come on a mini dive with me, Skinny Girl Cocktails were created in 2009. And remember, this is this is about fall of 2008. So she's on the verge of creating her empire, which, if you didn't know, she sold to Beam Global for roughly $120 million in 2011. And we'll be getting more into Skinny Girl, you know, cocktails and margaritas as the episodes progress and we see Bethany become more and more successful over the seasons. And for that and so many other reasons, I'm so excited for us to jump right in to episode six, Girls' Night Out. So let's begin with a quick overview because it's turtle time. All right. So as for Jill during this episode, we see her hanging with Bethany a lot and we're starting to get an idea of how close their relationship is becoming. For example, we see she goes to dinner with Jason and Bobby and Bethany, even though Jason arrives late, and she's planning and hosting at she and Bobby's apartment, Bethany's girls' night out dinner party. 
And we also get the pleasure of meeting her sister, Dr. Lisa Wexler. So we get a little bit of insight into Jill's personal life. Her sister is a um, host of a radio show, and she interviews Jill during one of her, her shows while also being recorded for this show. So we get to see their relationship. And although Jill doesn't have a huge footprint in this episode, which I really didn't recognize until I went back and rewatched it and broke it down, and that's really because she has such a big presence you don't notice, and probably because she also hosts the girls' night out dinner party and is one of the main commentators and voiceovers that is going on during the party and Ramona's freakout that we just don't notice that the focus of the episode is not on Jill. And then we move on to Alex and it's opening night at the Met. She and Simon apparently love opera. And so we follow the two of them as they're getting ready for and attending opening night, which they eventually have to kind of hilariously exit their limo and walk and arrive on foot due to traffic to, of course, I'm sure Simon's ultimate dismay. And then we later see them looking for themselves in the society pages to see if they were photographed for having attended opening night, which once again is showing how they're focused on social status and allows you to become even more annoyed with them. But they do end up throwing their son Francois a fourth birthday party and they invite Bethany and Alex reaches out and feels like she might enjoy coming. So with Bethany in attendance, we get a front row seat with commentary on the disastrous state of Alex and Simon's home, which of course comes as a shock because they're so worried about the clothes they wear and they spend a lot of money on that and vacations and how they rear their children. It becomes a shock to Bethany and the audience that their house is just kind of in a state of construction for three years. It's it's very interesting. But Alex, once again, is there for Bethany when she's having a rough time. And we see the good in Alex. And it's a really it's a really nice relationship we're seeing develop between the two of them. But of course, the Simon creepiness takes over yet again when we see him show up at Bethany's girls night out dinner party, which who would want to show up? And of course, it ruffles Ramona's feathers. And as for Bethany... She's returned from Miami and is back with her boyfriend, Jason. She's decided she's, and she's been explaining that she's quitting talking about babies and marriage and kind of the pressure thing. And it seems like he's making more of an attempt to show up. Remember, he works, you know, he's like a Wall Street stockbroker type guy who works crazy hours. So they, you know, they have the dinner with Jill and Bobby. And although he can't make it for dinner, he's because he's on a conference call after dinner, he arrives and spends time with them. And you can tell that makes Bethany really happy. And Jill, of course, is thrilled for the two of them. And then Bethany herself, interestingly enough, because it doesn't, it's not really like her, but she seems to be making an effort to get to know the women the most. And, and perhaps it's because it's good business-wise that she's doing so for the show. But she has drinks with Luann. She plans the girls' night out dinner party, which of course becomes legendary. We see her blossoming relationship with Jill, and she even meets up with Ramona after the dinner party and creates a bond with her and gets to know her better. And, you know, she's she just also provides excellent commentary on the state of Alex's home at the birthday party, you know, but also bonds with her too and shows a soft side of Alex. 
And then, of course, most importantly, she introduces the world to the skinny girl Margarita. And as for Luann, we see less of her this episode, you know, after she really did seem to dominate the previous one. And Bethany and Luann do have a have a good chunk of time on screen, though, when Bethany comes over to her house and they go out for drinks. And we see a new side to Luann, to the Countess, who scolds Bethany for introducing her to staff more formally. She wants to be Mrs. De La Seps. But Luann is with Bethany at Philippe's, where we're introduced to the skinny girl Margarita, which is another legendary Roni moment, really housewives moment. And so, and then of course she was a guest at the girls' night out dinner party. So she's at two very important and pivotal scenes. So we don't feel a huge absence, but again, going back, I realized she's not a huge focus of this episode either. And then we've got Ramona. Oh, Ramona. She gives us ultimate Ramona meltdown when she arrives at Bethany's girls' night out dinner, finding that Simon has come with his wife, Alex, to the girls' night out party. And having issues with men, she freaks out over the codependent behavior that she's seeing and abruptly leaves during dinner, to everyone's dismay and really shock. But she does later apologize to Bethany at the Gotham Magazine party, and they make plans So when Bethany comes over to Ramona's house later on and Ramona explains her past and and which helps to explain why she behaved the way she did at the girls night out party, she and Bethany also create a bond. And so the episode closes with although there is has been some chaos and discord within the group, there's we're left on a feeling of hope and the women are starting to better understand each other and create a bond because of that. And the episode closes on that note. All right, it's time to mention it all about episode six, Girls' Night Out, which recall we're filming, I think I said earlier, uh, fall of 2008, but I misspoke. We're filming around fall of 2007, and the episode opens with Jill. And she and Bobby are going to go to China Grill with Jason and Bethany. Bethany's back from Miami. She's decided to make things work with Jason. And I'm sure in an effort to show Bethany that he's all in, he's coming to not only go to dinner with Jill and Bobby, but be filmed. And we see when they first arrive, Jason's not there yet. Bethany explains he has a conference call, but he'll be joining them later. So the three of them, Bobby, Jill, and Bethany, sit down at their table. And of course, Bethany immediately looks at Jill and gives her the keep your lips zipped, you know, with the lock and key (laughs) motion. And Jill's like, what? What are you talking about? And of course, Bethany launches into Babies, baby carriages, diamonds, rings, weddings, lions, tigers, bears, whatever it is, just keep your mouth shut. We're not talking about it. And Jill, of course, says, I would not, you know, I would never talk about that with Jason. I'd only say that kind of stuff with my girlfriends, of course. I'll keep my my lips zipped. And Jill, of course, is like, are you talking to me? I wouldn't say that in front of Jason and Bethany's like, yeah, mouth, I'm talking to you. And I love to see it because it's the beginning 
of really Bethany blossoming into her own, but also showing the banter that we love between Bethany and Jill. And eventually Jason shows up. Jill gives, you know, we hear her voiceover. She's giving Jason props for showing up and recognizing he's clearly doing it to show Bethany he loves her because he's had a long night, right? He shows up around dessert time. But while they're all sitting around and chatting, Bethany mentions that she wants to do a cooking party, a a girl's night cooking party. And Jill, of course, offers her apartment and they say, great, let's chat later and we'll plan it. And they're having a good night. Jason's there. The four of them are enjoying themselves and all is well. And then we cut to Alex and it's opening night at the Met. She and Simon apparently love opera. They go every year. She's getting her makeup done in the Chandler Hotel, which Simon runs. And he's talking about one of the perks of working there is that when things happen in the city and events that they need to attend, they don't have to go all the way home to Brooklyn. They can just get ready in the hotel and then they're off to the whatever event it is that they're going to. And so she's getting ready and Simon comes in and he's he's kind of rushing her. It's I never know that, again, this is where I try to give him the benefit of the doubt. I never know if I feel offended by his behavior just because I end up being just over him by the end of season three, or if because he actually is being obnoxious or just a bit overbearing. But he's, you know, just a bit, he's given her a bad time about, and she's like, all right, all right, I'm getting ready. And of course, Simon has a voiceover and he's loving describing the fact that they go to the Met and opera and how you're seen. And it's a very high society type event. They love to walk the red carpet. And I spied another flashing of prices for things. As we see them, they get ready, they go down, they hop in the limo, and they're off to go to opening night opera at the Met. And they flash the price of opening night tickets. It says two tickets, $10,000. Oh, I I forgot to mention, I have to go back because there is a scene right before they leave as they're all dressed and heading out of the hotel where Simon literally sprays 17 sprays of cologne on him. And it's like as if his behavior wasn't obnoxious enough. Now I'm just envisioning he must smell, even if it's a good smell, that's just overwhelming amounts of cologne. So anyway, side note. So they're in the limo, they're on their way. And one of the real moments that they do have is they're talking about going and and Alex looks at Simon and finally says, oh yes, and I can't forget, I need the stubs for tax purposes. And I, I did love that. I thought they're not afraid, or at least in that moment, she's not afraid to admit that they need the tax deduction. And then we cut to Luann, the countess, and Bethany is coming over to her townhome for drinks. They don't know each other too well, but I'm sure Jill in the background has talked up the countess and thinks it's really cool. You can tell that she's royalty. And so they sit down. They talk about Jason. Luann wants to know what's going on. Are they back together? Bethany in her true fashion says, I basically put a gun to his head, which Luann's like, okay, that's, that's never good. But you know, she says, we're working on it. Who isn't? And we're, we're going to get through it. And she's asking Luann about herself. And Luann explains they've been married for 15 years, she and the count. And Bethany's like, oh, that's great. You know, this is your first marriage. Yeah. And she says, and his, and you can tell Luann takes a beat. She's like, this is, this is his fourth marriage. And Bethany jokes, you know, fourth time's a charm, right? And we love it. And then, of course, Noel, Luann's son, comes down 
and asks if he can come. He finds out they're going to Philippe, a French restaurant. Luann's like, sorry, son. No, people would be shocked if, you know, you were out past nine o'clock and you're not coming. And of course, Noel's not happy. He pitches a little fit. And Luann mentions, but yeah, it's taco night. And he goes, yeah, but you're never home for taco night. It's like, oh, ouch. It's a little bit of maybe too much reality for Luann in that moment. And then we head back to Alex and they're on their way to opening night at the Met. The, the She looks beautiful. The dress she's wearing, I believe it's one of the dresses that she bought in St. Bart's. It has a beautiful back to it. It's kind of a satin silky gown. It's real pretty. And like I said, she's tall, thin. She has a great figure to wear stuff like that. And we hear them describing that opening night at the Met is some somewhat like opening night of social season in New York City. So they're in their limo and now they're stuck in traffic. And this scene made me think, Alex used to have this podcast cast show thing that she would do that was called, I think it was The Real Deal with Alex McCord. And she would give a little bit of background of what filming was like. And she mentioned how, you know, production would manipulate the situation. And she said they would do things like they all had shared calendars and people would have events marked for the wrong time or moved to different dates or removed altogether from their calendars by production to cause a problem. And she also said they love to have your tell your driver to go a very long route or a way that was guaranteed to get stuck in traffic to ensure that you were late to cause drama, things like that. So I always keep this in mind when I'm watching the show. But she and Simon are stuck in traffic. They're sitting in a limo and time is ticking. You can tell Simon is getting pissed because he wants to walk the red carpet and spend some time being seen at opening night. And so Simon really does start freaking out in the limo. And it just makes it even more obvious that he's desperate for red carpet attention. Although I will say Alex makes it very clear that she's getting nervous about being late because one of the reasons that they go to opening night at the Met is that they really like opera. And so we see them chatting in the car about what they're going to do because they're not moving anywhere. And so they end up hopping out and just say, let's walk. And you can tell they're not thrilled, but they do it. And so they they get there finally, even though it's by foot, they walk in and production does a, and editing does a great job of showing paparazzi crickets as they walk down the red carpet. It's pretty funny. They want to have a quick drink before it starts and I'm sure be seen. And so when they walk in, it's funny, they they're they're just standing in a certain way and he's holding her hand and Alex says, under her breath, kind of without moving her body, which way when they get to the top of the stairs. And it just seemed like she was so desperate to fit in. She was afraid to even show that she didn't know which way to go when they got there. Or perhaps because they're pretending like they go all the time. I'm not sure. But it just seemed, it just seemed a little off. Like they're desperate to pretend they're someone that they're not. So they finally get to the bar. You see Simon mention that, of course, Jane Fonda's over there. And right before they go, he just does the can I have a kiss thing. It's it's again creepy Simon sighting number 27. She gives him a kiss and they're off to the opera. And then we're back to Luann and Bethany. They're leaving Luann's townhouse to go out for the night. And it was interesting because I said it before, Bethany seemed to be 
a little too attentive to Luann for who we know Bethany is. And I'm sure Jill was chirping in her ear, this woman's royalty. And I think they thought the show at this point was going to be a more sophisticated show about rich socialites in New York City and what they were doing and how they lived as opposed to the drama that it became. So I'm sure Bethany was hearing things from Jill about Luann and how fabulous it was that she's a countess, etc. And so and I think it really showed because, again, when they when Bethany goes to their house or I should say to Luann's house, she's just a little too cheery and smiley and in trying it. She just seems to be trying to impress Luann. And I think that ends very quickly in this episode. So they leave Luann's house and Bethany has this man, Clever, who is her boyfriend, Jason's driver, who's going to be their driver for the evening. It seems like a very nice gesture. And when they get out there, Bethany introduces Luann by her first name and says, this is Luann. And there's this awkward moment where he kind of goes to shake her hand and Bethany's kind of in the way, but Luann just seems a little bit off and she doesn't shake his hand and gets in the car. And we see Bethany and Luann in the back of the car and Luann starts whispering to Bethany, well, you know, when you're introducing me to people like staff, it's like Mrs. De La Seps, not Luann. And Bethany's like, really? She's like, yeah. And Luann says, it's like, you know, kids with kids. It's like a respect thing. It's really, it's quite, talk about pretentious. I don't know what's worth she or Simon in that, in that moment. But anyway, so Bethany is like, you know, we, we're, we're flashing back between what's happening and Bethany's over voiceover and Greek chorus moment about what's going on. And Bethany's like, is this, is this real? Is this chick for real? And Luann's like, yeah, you know, my husband would just die if he heard that. And so Bethany goes on, you know, I did not have the Countess handbook. I'm sorry. You know, she explains there's no separation of church and state with me and my my staff. She feels guilty for having staff. And we see Luann explaining, didn't you notice even Rosanna? She calls me Mrs. D, not Luann. And Bethany's like her voiceover. It's just she says, get over yourself. This is astounding, I think is the word, the adjective she uses, which it is. And then they get arrived to to the uh, Philippe's, you know, the restaurant that they're going to. And Bethany says, oh, clever. Would you please get Miss De La Seb's door for her being a little mocking? And Lu- Luann looks at her and goes, Mrs. De La Seb's and corrects her. And it's just like, uh, we're with Bethany. Get over yourself. So they arrive at Philippe, the restaurant. And you guys, it's skinny girl margarita time. This is the episode where Bethany introduces us and skinny girl margaritas are born. We see they so they sit at Philippe. We see Bethany saying, I only drink one drink. She really says skinny girls margarita. It's transitioned to skinny girl margarita. But she says it's the skinny girls margarita. It's Patron Silver, lime juice and a splash of triple sec on the rocks to take out all the sugar. And it's really delicious and a great idea. And I stand skinny girl margaritas. So skinny girl margaritas are born. It's a great it's epic. This is the beginning of it all. And yes, Luann, who once claimed to have created them or something, there was some sort of hilarious drama. Anyway, 
And we see the two ladies, they're talking about this summer's tennis match in the Hamptons between Jill and Ramona. You hear Bethany saying, what is it? There's just a thing between the two of them. They they really do seem to get on each other's nerves. And Bethany says she feels like I'm back in high school with the two of these ladies. Bethany says, you know, I only met Ramona twice, but I see, I think I like her. And I was going to invite her to my girls' night out dinner party. And Luann says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And Luann has also ordered a skinny girl's margarita. And Bethany likes Luann's willingness to kind of say, okay, yeah, I'll have what she's having. I'm in. And so they, they seem to be having a great time. Bethany raises her glass and says, am I a countess now? And Luann, in perfect Luann fashion, responds with, you're, you're in the Countess Club. And then we cut back to Alex. And she and Simon are taking the kids to a French restaurant, which I'm sure was planned by Simon very carefully. And they are, he's awkwardly forcing their kids to order in French. And they're little kids. They're like 18 months and three and a half or four. Yeah, he just had his fourth birthday party or about to. And they're just, it's pretty obnoxious. And it's kind of funny too, because Francois, their older son, just sits there silent as he's saying, you know, please order in French. It's pretty funny. And Alex kind of covers, I, I see the codependence with it and, and also his his controlling and her, her mousy behavior with him because she kind of covers for him. Because if my husband, if we're in a restaurant with small kids and they're getting a little agitated, is forcing this, do it in French, which he's clearly doing it because he wants to impress the cameras and get into the school, all of the above. I would have just said, just get my kid pancakes and eggs and can we have that put in first, please, just to stop a meltdown from happening. But she kind of covers for him and she's like, oh, oh, yeah, definitely. Can you ask in French? And she's trying to help. And she's like, we are in a French restaurant. And just it's a little bit like stop covering for your obnoxious husband and put him in check. And even worse, they're sitting at the at the table waiting for breakfast and they're looking for themselves in the paper because they went to opening night at the Met. And of course, Alex ends up making the list, but the joke's kind of on her because it's the picture of her is the back of her, which it, the, the the back of the dress was absolutely beautiful, but her face isn't there. But she says, well, you know, they did print my name and you hear Simon saying, oh, well, we still made the society pages again. And it's just like, all right, great. And he, he just he ruins it for her. I think she's a genuinely nice person who cares. And if she was out of his vortex of obnoxiousness and trying, you know how it is, you try to cover for your husband. If she could get away from that, I think she would have such a better connection with the audience and just people in general. Because then, of course, you know, she's playing along with them and she says, oh, yes, it's always nice to be photographed. And because it, it's like she just she mirrors him and becomes pretentious as well. But kind of funnily enough, meanwhile, their youngest boy, Yohan, is throwing an absolute fit. It seems like he's screaming in the restaurant. They're kind of drowning it out. It's pretty funny. And then we hear Simon saying that being in these in these papers and going to opening night at the Met and being seen makes other people see you as approaching their same status. And it's like, here he goes again. And of course, then poor Alex is like, yeah, the only bummer is I can't wear that dress again. Now I've been... I've been photographed in it. And she, we leave them where she says, guess we're going to have to go to opera in Europe. It's like, guess so, guys. And now we're on to Bethany. And she arrives at Jill's condo to discuss the girls' night out dinner party and who they're going to invite. And you can tell how comfy and close their relationship is. Jill's laying on the couch with her dog on her lap. Bethany's laying in one of her chairs and they're discussing the dinner party. 
And so they first call Alex to invite her. And I love it because Bethany puts her on speaker. Hey, Jill, it's Bethany. And of course, Jill's in the background chiming in. And Jill, I'm here too. I'm here too. Because she just can't be left out. FOMO to the extreme. And Alex is, of, of course, thrilled. Yeah, I'd love to come to the girls' night out. And then you see her awkwardly say, question, question. And I just have this feeling that I'm sure Simon, because anytime anything has to do with being on camera or being filmed, Simon has to be there. He's just so desperate for it. So I'm sure he's in the background egging her on to somehow get himself invited. And so Alex then asks, can I bring Simon? And Bethany and Jill are like, you have got to be kidding me. They say, yeah, you can put him in a cocktail dress. She's like, yeah, I'll put, I can put him in a cocktail dress. And it's just illustrative of how he brings her down because I guarantee he's forcing himself to be involved with as much as he possibly can with the show. And it puts her in this awkward position of having to ask stuff like this. And unfortunately, I don't think it's who she is, but it's who she has to become to be with him. So Bethany, of course, you know, if, if he wears a dress, he can come. Alex says she's going to bring him and they hang up. The girls, Bill, Bethany and, and Jill, Bill, <laughs> I like it. That's going to be their name. Their, their name, they're Bill. They're sitting there chatting about how weird this is. Jill's like, what guy would want to come to a girl's night out? This just whatever. It's weird. And then we, we, we leave with Jill saying, perfect. I'll put him between me and Ramona. Can't wait. And then we cut to Alex, and I do feel like this is set up. I think she's pretending to tell Simon about the girls' night out party, but I'm sure he already knew about it. So we see her saying, oh, yeah, there's a girls' night out party, and I made it very clear that you didn't have to come. And they just have another awkward conversation, which leads with him or ends with him saying, it would be strange now if I didn't go, right? It's like, no, Simon, it would never be strange if you didn't go to a girl's night out. Just stay home. But we see Alex saying that she always asks if he can come. And I just think he more like bullies his way into going. But now we know Simon is going to the girl's night out dinner party. So cut to Jill's condo. Her gay husband, Brad, shows up. It's the day of the girls' night out cooking party. They're telling Brad, Brad's like, this is great. This is going to be fun. I'll help you set it up. He's going to help her set the table and decorate. And she says, yeah, well, it's girls' night, except Alex is bringing her husband, Simon. And even Brad, who's out there himself, is like, yeah, that's weird. And so then Bethany arrives at Jill's condo. She loves the table. She's showering Brad with compliments, as is Jill, about the design and how they're setting the table and getting it set up. And then we see Jill and Brad are battling over where the sitting arrangements, where Jill is going to sit at the table because Brad is trying to say, well, Bethany's cooking, so let's put her here. And Jill's like, oh, hell no. I sit at the head of the table at my house. And Bethany's sitting by going, this is so dumb. She literally, she's like, how far are these seats apart from each other? What do you need a passport to get over here? She's like, Jesus, who cares? It's like, let's, let's move it along. So they get everything set up and everything's ready for the party. And we cut to Ramona's condo. She's just got home from work. It's pouring rain. She says she's had a difficult day. You, you can tell that she's a bit flustered from the day. She says it's raining cats and buckets. I love it. Avery's doing homework at the table. 
And she asks Avery for help getting ready for her cocktail look. And Avery's like, well, mom, describe what a cocktail look means. And Ramona's like, you know, just it's kind of dressy. So they're going through her closet. And of course, Ramona's like, oh, I know I've got it. Perfect. This is what I'm wearing. Thanks. Oh, you're so great. Thanks for helping me. And Avery's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I helped mom. Like, please get a grip, mom. And I noticed it's interesting because, again, it's season one and it's the first couple of episodes We see Ramona's master bathroom. She's getting ready, doing her hair, and Avery's chatting with her in there, and she allows the cameras. And we never see that. She very rarely allows them, even in her master bedroom, but never her master bathroom. So I I just, I love these little parts of the beginning seasons where they don't really understand or yet have power to control things, and they just let it roll. And we do see Ramona does take a swipe at Jill She says something about, you know, oh, she usually has a ton of women around. This is more my style. It's going to be more intimate. And so then we're back to Jill's condo. The ladies are getting, she and Bethany are getting ready for the party. And, you know, we see the fire alarms going off because some smoke and they're in the apartment and Bethany's in her cocktail dress, but putting out the, the fire alarm. And again, these are some of the only shots of the imp- entire homes that we see. I, I just remember Jill's condo used to be kind of a, a labyrinth to me, and I didn't quite understand the layout. And now in this episode, because again, they just go for it and allow the cameras anywhere, you can see the hallway that goes down the side of, to the kitchen, down to Allie's bedroom, and the whole layout makes sense. I love it. And then we see, of course, Jill's kind of running around, not doing much, but getting in everyone's hair and asking Bethany, you know, do you need me to turn this off? Have you done this? And Bethany finally turns around and says, I don't need you to micromanage me in the kitchen. Love you, but, you know, thanks a lot. It's pretty good. And then the Countess Luann arrives and they break the news to her that Simon's coming. And even she's like, you're you're kidding. This is weird. What is going on with this guy? And then Ramona arrives and she apologizes for being late. It's raining. And Jill's like, it's no big deal. Don't worry. And Berta, Jill's um, soon to be retired housekeeper is there. And so Bethany snidely says, Berta, this is Mrs. De Lesseps. And make sure she introduces her as Mrs. De Lesseps. And then... They break the news to Ramona that Simon is coming to Girls' Night Out, and she is pissed. And she explains that, why why is this happening? And Bethany explains that they're just attached at the hip. They have to do everything together. Ramona does not like it. So the last doorbell ring happens, and it's Alex and Simon. They come in. And Simon shakes Ramona's hand. And of course, she immediately screams out, Jesus, you almost broke my hand. She's very dramatic. And Ramona just, she can't hold it in any longer. And finally, she just blurts out, why is he here? I I just don't get it. And she's kind of looking at the group, kind of looking at Alex. She's like, this is strange. I was looking forward to a girl's night out. And, you know, I heard you were coming and ruining the equation. And she just she hates the whole thing. And she just starts launching. And Ramona is explaining that a man changes the dynamics of the entire party. And perhaps he should go down stairs for 30 minutes and they can try it to allow Alex some time with the girls And there is this weird scene. I don't know if it's edited or produced or what, but you see Ramona saying, what are are you never allowed to go out alone? And it cuts to Simon saying she can do whatever she likes. And then it cuts to Alex 
repeating it like a robot saying, I can do whatever I like. It's really weird. And again, don't know if it's produced or if they were catching on to something. But as Bethany says, Ramona finally just launched and she wasn't going to be happy until Simon was dead. And she, she just is going on and on. Finally, Luann says, you know, Ramona, okay, fine, but he's here now, so we can be decent, correct? And Ramona just kind of grabs Bethany and goes into Jill's kitchen. And Luann apologizes to Simon, and she says, well, that's what it is, meaning dealing with Ramona being a little shady. And Simon says, yeah, I know, what a welcome. And we see Ramona in Bethany in Jill's kitchen. And Ramona's like, this is just not a good surprise. They're a buzzkill. I don't like it. And we hear Ramona's voiceover and she's saying Bethany was kind. And she saw that I was freaking out and kind of pulled me aside and helped me get it together. But they rained on my parade and I, I was pissed. And even Bethany admits that she said she didn't think it would happen, but that there was a different feeling when the when Simon arrived that having a man around did make a different vibe and it wasn't a girl's night out any longer. But Bethany finally coaches Ramona and says, okay, you know, Ramona, we're reeling it in. Come on. And Ramona's like, okay, I'm reeling it in. I'm reeling it in. And they're going to enjoy Bethany's girl's night out cooking party. You know, she's a fabulous chef. They're going to have a good time. So we cut to them sitting around Jill's table having dinner and we see a class and etiquette discussion arises. They're all talking about it. Ramona is chiming in and having a big opinion, talking about class is this and that. And a lot of it is the opposite of just how she was behaving. And Luann slyly says, well, class is making people you're around feel comfortable as a dig to Ramona and how she's making Simon feel. And then we get another Ramona mis- mispronunciation. She says she's talking about the ambiance and she says the ambiance. It's hilarious. Jill, I mean, Ramona just abruptly gets up and says, you know, I'm going out to have a real girl's night. So I'm leaving. And she hops on her phone and she says she's going downtown to a club with her friend Marla to have a real girl's night out. This She thought she was going to have a girl's night out. Then Simon came. Now she her time is precious. She's going to have a real girl's night out. And we see Bethany talking, her voiceover, and she's like, it was the most jarring thing I've ever seen. And she says, I get paid to cook thousands, you know, for thousands of dollars. And she just bolts in the middle of dinner. And we see Ramona. She's like, so, you know, where's my coat? And she just, she leaves. And of course, they're all left just to talk about what the hell just happened and who does Ramona think she is? And we see Bethany being the the comedic relief going, oh, no, she didn't. She did not just leave my party like that. And Bethany, she's like, she had the biggest opinion about the class conversation. And then she just hops up and leaves in the middle of it and has a fit about Simon. It's it's pretty great. And Bethany says, I'm speechless. I, I don't even know what to say. And you can see Jill wants to get pissed about it. But Luann finally says, look, we're, we're not going to let this ruin our night. We're going to have a good time. And Simon sheep sheepishly toast to absent friends and they look like they have a good rest of the evening and now we're on to alex's house they play that british royalty music again which is great especially what's coming up with their house soon and we see there it's francois's fourth birthday their son and they're throwing him a birthday party and it's just again it's like i think i feel like simon is just he misses the mark in every way he's talking to a soon-to-be four-year-old going, would you mind if we invite adults to your birthday party? And it's like, 
Seriously, you're asking a four-year-old, you just invite, how, how else is, are his friends going to get there? Of course the parents are coming. It's just absurd. But anyway, Alex, in a, in a nice gesture, invites Bethany to come. She says there's going to be kids there and she might enjoy herself. But of course, the whole time that Alex is calling Bethany and then leaving her a voice message about it, Simon's standing there in the background, like overseeing the phone call. And then we cut to Ramona's condo. She's getting dressed for Gotham Magazine's 100 Most Eligible Men Party. She's going with her friend Sarah, who she explains is recently divorced, and she thought this would be a good way to get her out. And she and her daughter Avery are talking about the party, and they're going through it. It's clearly a, they must put out on the magazine all of the men because they're going through it. And Avery's ask, asking if people actually meet their soulmates here. And Ramona's like, I'm not sure. And it's a cute scene between mother and daughter. And then we cut to Bethany and she's going to the same Gotham Magazine party. She says she's been featured in Gotham Magazine previously and so it's good for her to go. It's good for PR. And so off the ladies go to the party. And once they get there, we see Ramona. She's saying it's way too loud in that room to ever meet somebody and meet, meet an eligible bachelor. And then she runs into Bethany. When Ramona, you start to see, you think she's just acting crazy, but I think she's uncomfortable. And when she's uncomfortable, she acts up a little bit because she doesn't know how to handle it. So she starts acting a little crazy and saying, oh, I, I love this music. And she's dancing a little, you know, erratically. And she finally says, hey, I want to talk outside. And she was probably uncomfortable because she wanted to talk to Bethany privately. So they go step outside and Ramona totally cops to being weird and the jarring behavior at the girls night out dinner party when she left. She calls herself a maniac and, you know, says, I'm sure everyone was wondering, you know, who is she and what is going on? And Bethany, of course, respects that, that Ramona just calls it out, that her own behavior and says, I'm sorry about it. And then Bethany explains that Ramona just after that wanted to hit the dance floor. So we get an awesome Ramona dancing montage. I said there's going to be a couple of Ramona montages throughout the seasons. This is one of them. It's so good. And, you know, I don't know if I can explain Ramona's dancing. You might just have to see it. But it's just, it's great. She's She is feeling herself. She is having a good time. And that's all that matters. And as Bethany describes it, it was like Saturday Night Fever. And it's it's a good description. And then we see at the end of the night, Ramona asks Bethany, now that they've kind of made up and Ramona's cop to her behavior, she asks Bethany to help her with some hors d'oeuvres and cooking. And you can see, I believe at this point... Bethany is a very shrewd businesswoman, and I think they're talking about how can they help promote each other's businesses. And so Bethany realizes, oh, Ramona, they talk about it. Ramona's willing to do a cooking thing with Bethany and promote the fact that she's the natural food chef. And so, of course, they're willing to be friends again. And so Bethany says, yes, of course, I'll help you with the cooking party and let's get together later on. And so we cut then to Jill. She's going to her sister's house in Westport, Connecticut, where she explains Paul Newman also lives and her sister, Dr. Lisa Wexler, lives there. And it is sweet. We see Jill is talking about her sister. She says she's the academic of the family. She's the most amazing person I know. And she really is dropping accolades on her sister. Her sister went to NYU. She's an attorney and she hosts a radio show at this time. I believe it was called Lunch with Lisa. I see it was on, as she's talking with her microphone, it was WSTC 1400 and WNLK 1350 out in Connecticut. And I, just to do a little, a little mini dive, 
I did look up Dr. Lisa Wexler, and it doesn't look like she's doing lunch with Lisa, but she has the Lisa Wexler show. It's on WICC 600 AM and HD 2 107.9 FM in the Connecticut area. And you can call in 10 to noon, Monday through Friday, every day. So she still does have her show. But again, so back to the back to the party or the the luncheon. She's hosting a luncheon and Jill is speaking very highly of her sister. So she's hosting this luncheon and also part of the luncheon is she's doing her show from her house with other powerful and influential women. And one of the interviews she's doing is Jill. So we see her interviewing her sister, Jill. And they're talking about how they went from Long Island to the society pages. But first, of course, Jill has to jump in and say, have you seen my watch that Bobby bought me? And her sister's Lisa, her sister Lisa's reaction. It's so bitchy nice. It's it's the typical like my sister is just a braggadocious, obnoxious person. She doesn't shut up. And I've heard it so much because she's her reaction to this beautiful watch with diamonds all over it is like it looks fake. She's like, it's so diamondy. Who wears a watch like that? That's her sister's reaction to it. It's so great. I love the interaction. And so, you know, she's saying, I want you to talk about going from Long Island to the society pages. And Jill's like, I'm not a deep person. I haven't really thought about my life story like that. And Lisa's like, but you, we, we weren't, you know, we weren't born into this life. It's you know, and Jill's like, but in my mind, we were. My mother was a glamour girl. And Jill's, Lisa's like, no, that's not how it was. But you're attracted to that life. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And Jill says, why do you think that? And Lisa's like, that's what I want to ask you about. And Jill says, you know why? It was because when I was a little kid, I was I wasn't popular. And Lisa's like, exactly. That's why it is. And so they sit down, they get ready for the interview. They sit down together. Mics are up and they're talking about her life in New York City and how she's married to Bobby. And Lisa's asking, do you think it's a bit of keeping up with the Joneses? Jill says, you know, at one time, I guess, yes. But now at my age, it really is more about being the Joneses, which I thought was a good line. So we're at the luncheon. We see them sit down now for lunch and they're clapping for Lisa and giving her accolades. And some of the faces are blurred of the ladies. And I was like, this is so awesome. First season, because they are probably really accomplished women who did not want to be on the t- on TV. And of course, something that hadn't even come out yet. So they didn't know if it was going to be popular, which of course, now I feel like nobody would blur their face. They would be going on Real Housewives purposefully, probably to get on TV. But anyway, so there's some of the women's faces are blurred. I thought like, okay, there's some real people here. And then of course, Lisa says, I have to give a toast to Gloria, my mom, which she's a narcissist you've got and you can't please her. So you got to mention her and course she mentions oh god a toast it's more like a eulogy and the the ladies laugh and and we leave with them having a great luncheon and enjoying themselves we go back to alex's house and it's francois's birthday party and people are arriving and of course simon is just being obnoxious and speaking french to francois he's running around his friends are arriving he's not worried about speaking french to you in that moment it's just like stop and then bethany arrives and we we see her voiceover. She's like, it was a Sunday. What was I going to say? You know, I, I had to go to church. Give me a break. Of course, of course, I'm going. It was nice that they invited me. And so we see Bethany. She walks into their Brooklyn t- Brownstone townhouse and she looks around and the cameras finally show the house. They you could it really is a good example of how if they want to protect you, they can, because up until now they have shot at the house. So clearly production and the cameramen know that their house is 
is in a state of disrepair <laughs> and, you know, construction ripped out floors that were never finished and those kind of things. But they've, we've never seen this on the show before. So they can protect you if they want and give you a good, a good shot to make it look like it's something that it's not clearly. So we see Bethany and she's like, I was in shock. She walks around, you see it. They, they're just, their house is, it looks like under construction, but yet never finished. And Bethany says, you know, she didn't even say pardon the appearance or anything related to it. And as Bethany says, it was the non-acknowledgement of the mess that was so shocking. And of course, we see Bethany. She's like, I love what you've done with the place. It's fantastic. But Bethany remarks that it's strange to have a party in the house when it's in this shape, especially considering who they present themselves to be in public. And as Bethany's giving the tour, they're going around the house. She's seeing what they've done. And Bethany asks, so when did you move in here? And Alex says, oh, we moved in around 2005. She's like, yeah, yeah, you, you got a lot of work to do. You uh, you better get started. It's pretty, it was, it was shocking, I think, to all of us what their house looked like. And obviously they've been there for several years. So question, it begs the question, why is your house still un- in, undone and just your kids are living in tiny little rooms. It's just crazy how they're living. And yet they just spent $10,000 on two tickets to opening night at the Met. The whole thing seems off. And as Bethany explains, they presented themselves as scholarly and European and luxury hotel. And so she says, it's not about where she was being in their house, but it's about where she thought she was going. That's what was so surprising. And then she ends with, if it was Jill or Luann, and then she says, or Ramona, oh my God, I don't know what any of them would have done had they come here. So the party begins and Bethany's there. And as she says, she sticks out like a sore thumb and that she'd rather hang with the kids. So we see a lot of shots of her helping the kids open the new presents that have been brought for the birthday party. And Alex notices and says that she's impressed with Bethany's ability to just hop on down on the floor and play with a bunch of kids. And then Alex and Bethany have a moment to talk. And Alex wants to know what's going on with Jason because Bethany, remember, is just coming back from having run away (laughs) to Miami. And Bethany explains that things are much better, but that they're not discussing kids. And she's just taking a rest and kind of does the excuse making. I'm really busy. I've got a lot of stuff to do, which is in total contradiction to everything she said about she's not going to give up having a kid and all of that. And then we see her get a little teary-eyed and she says she always gets sad around her birthday. Her birthday is November 4th. So we know they're filming. This is late October, early November. And she gets a little upset. And I couldn't help but recall her birthday breakdown from one of her episodes on her breakout show, Bethany Ever After. She has a flip out. Is it her 40th birthday? I can't remember. But she she freaks out. They have a bunch of people and she just, the attention and she doesn't like her birthdays. So I remember at the time going, God, she's really freaking out and being irrational. And although she was, I can clearly see now, even from way back when, this is an issue for her. So she's teary-eyed. She's saying she usually gets upset around her birthday. And Alex is very sweet to her and is very disarming. And Bethany recognizes and looks to Alex and says, I'm always a mess around you. What is it about you that I feel like I can open up and be vulnerable? And Alex is a soft place to land for Bethany. And we see it. She's, She's very soft and gentle with her. And probably easy for Bethany to talk to because of that. And then, of course, Simon interrupts with conversation about the cake, the C-A-K-E. And then Bethany chimes in with what's what time is the V-A-L-I-U-M? It's pretty funny. Even Simon gets a kick out of it. 
And we see Bethany telling Alex she's in it to win it with Jason. She's not going anywhere. She's not going to run. And she says, and if he's not ready to have kids in two years, then what am I going to do? He's family. So an interesting spot for Bethany to be stuck in. And we're left wondering if she can really make this relationship work. And then we see Bethany going to Ramona's several days later. Ramona's apologized, remember, so she's going to her house. They're going to have a good time. Although Bethany does say, I wasn't sure what I was walking into with Ramona. And fair enough. And it's clearly a Friday because Ramona's shaking a martini and saying it's Friday. And she she is acting a little crazy, uh, dancing and being uncomfortable again. And Bethany says something seemed a little tweaked about Ramona. I think that's the perfect way to explain it. And she says she wanted to just see if she could get Ramona to relax and break down her emotional walls that she's been putting up. And so her approach was to share something about her own life. So we hear Bethany tell her story. And she goes on to talk about how when she was a kid, she was five years old calling the police for stuff that was going on in her house. It was very crazy. She says she was basically an adult when she was a kid. I think that really lets Ramona's guard down because Ramona came from an abusive house, but was probably embarrassed to talk about it. So Bethany's able to break down Ramona's walls. And then she says, you know, you had a violent reaction to Simon and it made me start thinking, what's her story with men? And Ramona opens up because now her walls are down and she starts talking about her mother and she gets emotional because her mom was her dad was abusive to her mom and her mom couldn't get out of the relationship. And she mentions that her mom died recently and her dad gave her a letter he had been keeping that her mom had had written that was apologizing for staying with her dad and saying that she felt it was her karma. And she was she's visibly shaken and, and crying. And she opens up and Bethany has that moment where she's like, oh, okay, I see who you are. This makes sense now why you reacted that way. You saw the codependence and it freaked you out. They talk about their fathers and how they, because of their father's either abusive behavior or absent behavior or both, they have male noise and they constantly their whole life were choosing aloof men because that's what they were comfortable with. And Bethany says, yeah, exactly. My, my whole life, I was it was about drama and instability. And I was always attracted to that because I was used to it. And Ramona can relate. And then they both talk about how lucky it is they found Jason and Mario because they're the exact opposite of their fathers and the exact opposite of what they were finding themselves as young women attracted to. And we see Bethany. She has a, a voiceover where she says, Jason's my soulmate. And knowing that they don't end up together, I couldn't help but think, really? Is she just, is she, it made, made me think, does she really believe that? Or is she trying so hard she's willing to say that? And as Bethany explains, it's much easier for someone to be wrong and for her to run than for someone for her to be right and have to stay. And at the end of the night, we find the ladies sitting in cou- at the couches at Ramona's living room. And Bethany says, you know, I would totally have dinner with you anytime. And I think the people at Jill's dinner party the other night would be surprised to hear about my experience with you and that I actually really enjoy you. And Ramona points out that she and Bethany are similar in that they are strong, independent women that come from unstable childhoods and that she thinks they'll become good friends. And it looks like they're going to become good friends. They bond. And then finally, Ramona, as they're wrapping up the evening, says to Bethany, you know, and I didn't think I'd like that pomegranate drink, but I did. It was it was tart, but had a you know, but yet it had a little bit of sweetness to it. And Bethany turns around and goes, Yeah, just like you. And they die laughing. She goes, I didn't think I'd like you, but you know, now I do. <laughs> 
it's pretty hilarious. And Rona's like, I like that. Yeah, tart but sweet. I like it. And Bethany says, you're like a pomegranate teeny. You know, that's that's what I'm going to call you. And the episode ends on a really great note. Well, that about does it for this episode. Join us next week when we break down the season one finale. We've made it there, folks. It's the finale, episode seven, Second Chances. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Deep Fix Podcast. And find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places you find your podcasts. Please like, subscribe, and follow us. See y'all next time. Thank you.